I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the At Woods End podcast. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> no, it's not the same. <laughs> Why are we here? What have I done? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Like, it's so obviously not. <laughs> You're just uneducated. It's not that bad. I don't know, is that even a word? Welcome back to the Atwoods End podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Megs. And today we're chatting all about diamonds. So we're covering everything from proposal stories, aka Maggie, I think you should tell everyone about yours, to (laughs) what the heck a carrot actually is, because I'm not totally confident I know, like I think I know, but not really. And also just how marketing has played such a huge role in their popularity. Oh, and also if a diamond is forever. And so very shortly today, we will be welcoming a special guest onto our show as well. A good friend of mine, Melanie McIntyre of Heffernan's Jewelry here in Waterloo, who kind of really inspired this episode after a conversation we had like quite a few number of years ago, but it's really like stayed with me, you know, those random ass like tidbits of knowledge that... You hear once and then it's a, it's like a core fact. Like as soon as you're drunk, you're like, did you know? <laughs> oh my God, absolutely. Like I love those conversations. It's like when you learn a new word and then all of a sudden it feels like everyone's using it and you're like, seeing it everywhere. And you're like, wait, did we all just learn this word at the same time? Cause like, <laughs> feel like we're all using it now. Yeah, I feel like diamonds are one of those things that everyone knows about. And like, obviously to some degree, I think we all have feelings towards them, but like, what do we really know? Yeah. Like, like I said before, I. I think I know what a carrot is in the sense that more carrots equal more money. But beyond that, I have no idea what that means. So I feel like this episode is going to be very eye-opening for me. Yeah, I feel feel like we're going to learn a lot. But, you know, before we get to that, we just wanted to express our gratitude and really, you know, shout out a big thank you to everyone who's listening. So this past week, we've reached a thousand listens on the podcast in 15 different countries. And it's just wild to us that we've been fortunate enough to share, you know, our silly thoughts and our unsolicited advice with with so many people from so many countries that I don't even... How did you find us? I want to know. I know. Hello. Hello, hello, Qatar. <laughs> like, What's up, Brazil? <laughs> actually, just like the thought of picturing a thousand people in one room is just so crazy to me and super appreciative to anyone who's even just listened once because I think, honestly, we came into this as a creative project really above anything else. So like, I never envisioned that this would be something that anyone would really pay attention to, but I'm grateful that there are people who do come back and listen every week. Yeah, it just, it fit the vibe. And, you know, speaking of vibes right now with with. October officially rolling in which not my favorite season but like there's so many activities associated with the fall that it's just such a vibe in itself so before we get to the rest of the show tell me about your fall aesthetic this year like what are you loving what are you hoping to do what what are you getting out of this season Kim? I think October is one of my favorite months. Like I'm definitely a summer person through and through, but I love the change in the seasons right now and the shift to like cozier weather. I always manage to make October super busy for myself. (laughs) So this is always a season that's filled with like a lot of seeing friends and just getting together with people that I may not have seen during the summer months and then kind of slowing down into November. Aside from my cross Ontario road trip, stopping at people's (laughs) houses this month, my October is always just like watching Halloween movies and also starting to plan my Christmas baking because anyone who knows me I really try and bake a lot of cookies for Christmas and I just give them out to like everyone and their moms so I have to start November 1st and just bake and freeze and I'm thinking of developing a PR list where like you have to get you have to get on the list 
and then I'll really start customizing them. But yeah. So anyways, that's what I'm planning this month. But what about you? What what are your plans and vibe for the fall? (laughs) I feel like we took such a different approach to this question. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe when I was writing my response to this, that this was not where you thought it was going. But yeah, no, it's fine. Because then I was like, I'm sure Kim's going to answer like this. And then I'm going to answer like this. And it will be funny. (laughs) So basically, (laughs) I finished work early. And then I literally watched one YouTube video and I decided that that was enough to help me cut my own bangs and perspective. It's like 58% of my fall vibe for whatever reason, my new curtain bangs that thank God turned out because I was half contemplate. Well, no, it's pretty serious that I'm like, if it doesn't work, I'll just shave my head and I'll deal with my husband later. It's fine. It's fine. And so <laughs> that was, that was most, most of my fall vibe is my new hair. And then I'm on like a reading streak. So I I took Kim's 10 minute reading advice and I've been reading like an hour and a half a day because who can read for just 10 minutes when you read good books. So I'm hoping to finish at least two more books, you know, with all the upcoming rain, what else are you going to be doing? And then finally like vests over like white button down shirts. That's it. Yeah. Like a sweater vest kind of. Yep. Like a knit knit vest yeah I also would like to add that like reading is also one of my goals if we're talking like actual just like goals and things that we're planning on doing in the fall I think I mentioned in last week's episode I have a terrible habit of starting 700 books at the same time (laughs) and then I get overwhelmed by like the responsibility of having to finish them all so like right now I'm in kind of a finish everything that's stacked on my bedside table right now and then I'm excited to actually like start with a clean clean slate yeah I need a clean I think it's hunk hunkered down. Hun- hunkered down. Hunkered. <laughs> Actually, Mel. Salsa. <laughs> when, when Mel's on the show, we'll have to ask her. So she's so good at the little like idioms, and I'm yeah. so bad at them. And we work together at National Sports, and I would just I would say something, and she'd be like, no. <laughs> yes. No. No. <laughs> so yeah, she's she's the, the quite the expert on that. So I mean, really, without further ado, well, okay, no, not without further ado. Okay, so this whole side side story, as per usual, I was searching something with the word ado because I'm pretty sure I've been, again, saying a freaking idiom wrong for a really long time. <laughs> so that I was, I was researching it and the word ado spelled A-D-O. Have you ever heard of an egg corn? No. What is an egg corn? This is the backstory here. So ado basically means like fuss or hubbub. And when we say something like without further ado, we're basically saying like, you know, cut the crap, get to it. But once in a while, you'll see it kind of in a different way. Um, And it's without further ado, ado spelled A-D-I-E-U, which is the French word that means goodbye. So presumably somebody using the phrase without further ado is stating that they would like to end a presentation or a conversation or a meeting without excessive goodbyes. And in any case, saying without further ado, the French way is incorrect. And what makes it the egg corn is it's basically a fact, which is a misheard phrase, saying, lyric, or slogan that retains the original meaning. So when you say ado, regardless of how you spell it, it's still said the same way. And there's like a whole list of egg corns. I feel like there's one that is on the tip of my tongue that I can think of one that there's something that everyone always says wrong and it's okay, not well, coming to my I mind right now. Care less or I couldn't care less. Yeah, yeah. that one. That's, that's Mel, one. <laughs> <laughs> Mel's coming in early. That um, is 
a hundred percent the one that I was thinking of. Also, are the it's like that one's like the opposite. It's like I couldn't care less means I literally care so little that it's impossible for me to not care more. Yeah, and then yeah, not care. I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean. And then it like to say I could care less is saying like I actually care a little bit because like it's possible that I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another one is buck naked versus butt naked. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't people also say like butt in line versus like isn't like bud in line? Butt in line. I, I guess because you go butt because like to get into that line. Yeah, like people will be like no budding, but it's also no budding. I think with like a D. Oh my god, I don't even know who do we ask about that. Where do we? <laughs> I don't know. We need an expert. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Without further ado, we are pleased to <laughs> welcome Mel officially on the show. <laughs> so hi, Mel. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, Mel's been sitting yes. in the room with us, so <laughs> <laughs> just listening to this. She's like, I need to. I need to interject and correct them. Guide the witness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some friendly, some friendly guidance yeah. from our train train wreck of trying to identify acorns. But no, I'm excited for this episode like Maggie and I started chatting about this kind of topic a month or so ago and I feel like especially at this point in our lives it feels like everyone is getting engaged or knows 800 people that are getting engaged like I think I have like seven bachelorette parties that I'm supposed to be going (laughs) to next year it's just something that feels especially relevant right now and it almost rivals the breakup chat but like obviously this is more fun and cheerful than (laughs) you know talking about relationships ending yeah no for sure so so okay Mel why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself so first thing How do you know so much about diamonds? That's what we're talking about. How do you know everything? Well, I don't know everything, (laughs) but I know a fair bit. I was lucky enough to grow up in the jewelry business. My family's had a store locally in Waterloo for 37 years. Dang. So I started working for my father when I was about 18. So I have a number of years under my belt now. (laughs) And probably 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, I got my diamond grading certificate from the uh, Canadian Gemological Association uh, in Toronto. Cool. Um, So cool. So I've always been like obsessed with rocks. So it was like natural to be obsessed with. Yeah, you and my husband both. Sparkly diamonds. Teal has a rock tumbler that (laughs) he uh, (laughs) brought back. I had a rock tumbler too. There you go. The three of you are peas in a pod. (laughs) Yeah, rock tumbler friends. (laughs) Instant connections. (laughs) That's so cool. Going back to, I guess, maybe like as a starting point to this diamond conversation, I was mentioning at the beginning of this episode, I think I know what a carrot is, but like, I'm not actually certain. So like, what does it mean for a diamond in terms of, you know, how many carrots it has? It's not orange is all right. (laughs) So you're right. (laughs) The more carrots, the more money simple way of putting it. The carat refers to the weight or the size of the diamond. And carat, when you're talking about diamonds, is spelt C-A-R-A-T. I like it. Opposed to when you're talking about gold, the carat of a gold, that starts with a K. <gasps> so those are the two what? different to keep in mind. <laughs> wow, my mind, is blo- my mind is so blown by that fact. I did not know that they were spelled differently. Yeah, yeah. So like if you look on like the inside of a ring that you have or whatever, it'll have a stamp 10K or 14K or something like that. The K is referring to the carat of the gold. 18K, the everyone. 18K. Yeah, you're okay. 18K. Sick. Yeah. Oh, imagine 18 karat diamond ring. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god, wow. I like, that totally makes sense and I've never noticed that they were spelled differently. Yeah, so it's strange that they're said the same, yeah. but yeah. they're different. It's just just to confuse people, I guess. I yeah, especially because they're both grading jewelry. Right. 
yeah, that it's yeah, like it's weird that it's like the same. It's an acorn. Oh my god! <laughs> Full circle. Flow together. <laughs> it is an acorn. I love that. That is. It always happens like where where Kim is doubting. So at the end of each episode, we have our philo math segment, which is like a like a stupid little little story that we learn. You yeah. Know, we do so much research for work that we always stumble upon things, and sometimes I, I can just see her her comments on the notes and she's like, how's this going to come full circle, right? And she doesn't, uh-huh. yeah, I just tell her the topic yeah. and then, and then every time it works out. Okay, and well, so. that was a total happy coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this was all kind of inspired by this conversation that we had literally at the cashier's counter at National Sports, mm-hmm. I want to say like circa 2014 maybe. And the snippet from that conversation that I remember so vividly, I think, possibly, is that a big diamond doesn't necessarily mean a nice diamond and the shape and the cut can really make or break it. So, like, am I actually remembering that as well as I... Oh, for sure. Like, (laughs) there's definitely, like, in my opinion, bigger isn't always better. Definitely. And as far as diamonds go, and gemstones in general, so much goes into a beautiful stone. And I think the beauty of a stone is also subjective, but of course you have the the cut the clarity the color the carat weight all that stuff so but as far as the carat like the size of the stone goes like a lot of times people have in their mind that i have to have a carat i have to have a one carat stone you don't know the size of a stone by just looking at it because it's not you can't visually look at a stone and pinpoint that's one carat mm-hmm. because it's literally the weight of the single piece on a scale or you map it out and measure it that way oh i see so it's the full it's the depth of it it's it's not like everything yeah okay you can't see the depth of the stone when looking at it face up yeah okay so something about the setting too you're talking about in in the setting some people there's clever ways of making a diamond for sure and there's different settings when you're talking rings there's illusion settings to make a stone look bigger than what it is the way that the gold is around it so on and so forth so when I'm selling a diamond, I like to have my customer try and pay attention to the millimeter size of the stone that we're talking about. Because a round stone, a round brilliant uh, diamond, typically uh, a perfectly cut one, shall we say, will measure about 6.5 millimeters round. You can also get one carat diamonds that are six millimeters or ah. 6.2 so it's it, uh, we're talking points of millimeters but yeah. it, it does vary yeah, depending yeah. on how deep right. the stone is how thick the girdle is that's the round part uh, that goes into the setting <laughs> like a horse <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that another acorn yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god they're everywhere it's just like what i was saying about words we learned the word acorn and now it's everywhere i use it every day um, <laughs> So yeah, like there's so much that goes into it, but I don't think it's important to pay attention to that magical carrot number. I think it depends on the size that looks best on your hand, if we're talking about a diamond engagement ring. Mm -hmm. Because if you have super small hands, you're going to make a diamond look bigger than what it is. So good news for your partner. They're gonna yeah. save some money. <laughs> so, gentlemen, find a lady with, with find ladies with like tiny this. hands. <laughs> so, different different stones will look different on different finger sizes. Right, right. Some bigger, some smaller. 
whether there's stones around it accenting it there's there's so much that goes into it then te- like okay so those those often look like a mega stone where you have like a stone in the middle and di- is that an illusion or what tell us about the illusion one what do you have in the illusion uh the illusion is more so i wouldn't say like the ha- so when you have a center stone mm-hmm. and then you have diamonds around it we'll call that a halo okay Makes that's sense. i wouldn't say that classifies as an illusion There's settings where you'll have your center stone and then you'll have almost like a border of gold around it and then claw work on the outside of that border of gold, giving the illusion that that diamond is continuing out to the claws when it's actually not. It's the gold that's continuing out. Oh, clever. So that gives the illusion of a bigger stone. I had, side story I guess, but we, (laughs) we knew somebody who, when we were in elementary school, this was like our friend's aunt, and she would go to Shoppers Drug Mart and they always in the makeup counter for years and years and years would have like ginormous fake diamond rings made of like what's the fake diamond stuff called like it's just super shiny uh, cubic zirconia yeah, yeah yeah cubic zir- and she would just she would just buy a diamond diamond in mm. quotes ring you know all, like weekly and then she'd be wearing these and where we grew up there was a lot of bouginess and a lot of competition but here was this lady she outsmarted them all wearing this fake ass ring and yeah, it was quite the was oh, like yeah. monstrous so funny. You know, size of a cactus, not a cactus. What's a like a not a pea? <laughs> and it's amazing, like with the alternatives that are available now. Years ago, when you thought of quote unquote fake diamond, you would think cubic zirconia. Ah, cheap, not durable, gonna cloud up, scratch, yeah. not last. Now it's amazing what they can do. Technology has come such a far way, and. Now, I think it's a good thing for the business. There's diamond alternatives on the market that are helping bring down the price of natural diamonds to be a little bit more competitive in the market because for years now, it's just been, as the saying goes, the only stone worth giving for an engagement ring is a diamond, which I don't agree with. I think it's great that there's other options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you want a colorless Mm -hmm. stone, there's other colorless options. If you want a gemstone, go for it. There's no rules anymore. Yeah, we'll get to that because I have, I have, I I can literally not refute, but I can respond to a few of those why there's a monopoly on diamonds and, and, you know, how diamonds have come a long way and stuff. But, and like, okay, so I have a question in terms of, all of the grading that comes with picking the right diamond, I guess, for you. You mentioned things like color and clarity. Like, how do those things come into play? Or, like, what exactly do those mean? So, so what's, like, the scale, diamonds. right? Like, with, like, the whole... Is that clarity with, like, flawless? Like, that, right. there's codes for them? Is yeah, that- so it's... Clarity's referring to the imperfections, shall we say, in the diamond. Okay. Um, so you're right at the top of that scale, eternally flawless, that's super rare, wildly expensive. Mm, I don't know if I can say if I've seen one personally. Oh in wow! Real life, okay. To be honest. Okay. And then you have very, very slightly included, so VVS. Okay. And then there's a one and two beside those. You're not going to see any imperfections with the naked eye. You're not going to see any imperfections with a 10x powered loop. You need a much stronger oh. microscope to see. Right, right, right. Some different inclusions scattered in the stone, if any. Then you drop down to very, very slightly included, so VS one or two. Again, those are expensive stones, very nice. Then you drop down to slightly included, mm-hmm. and you got slightly included one, two, or three. Okay. Slightly okay. included one, I think is kind of the sweet spot, in my opinion. I think some people would disagree with me, but I think <laughs> SI1 is, is <laughs> a nice me. sweet spot. You're, yeah. you're not going to see 
for the stones that I like to shop for for my customers with an SI1 grading, you're not going to see anything with, uh, with, with the, the naked, naked eye, eye. Yeah. which is right. the most important thing. No one's ever going to see... Can I see your ring and yeah. take my loop here? And without, yeah, like without a microscope? Yeah, no, I would say politely tell them no and maybe talk to them again. Because yeah. that's weird. But so slightly included, SI1, that's, that's a good option. It's a beautiful stone. It's going to be nice and clean. You're not overpaying for it. You're not cheaping out by any means. I think it's a nice combo. SI2, you can also get great SI2 stones. Again, it just depends on where the inclusions are in that specific diamond. It really is particular to each individual stone. Yeah. I think my center stone technically is an SI2. Mm-hmm. So I, I like those I have stones. no idea. I have a book that came with mine. Yeah, right. <laughs> I need to yeah. go and, yeah. and see so what it was. It shows you where little points are on your stone okay. that you would never see and you'd say, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did take my ring to uh, 40 times in, in our labs. Right. And I did put it under the microscope and it wasn't, I, like, I was like, what am I looking at? Right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what I mean by it being, like, objective as well. Like, so after the SI, the slightly included, then you drop down to the eye stones included. Eye stones, typically, you'll be able to see, me personally, because I'm trained, I can pick up inclusions on eye stones without any oh, magnification. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And what does an inclusion look like? A lot of people like? can't. Sometimes if it's, like, a black carbon inclusion maybe I would be able to point it out to you and you'd be able to say, okay, I can see that. But if it's a, if it's a light crystal inclusion or a cloud inclusion or just a feather, those are harder to pick up. So Sorry, feather? What kind of feather? Not a literal feather, oh. but like... Oh. That's, <laughs> like, wow! <laughs> what kind of diamonds you be looking at? <laughs> How did that get in there? Thinking Jurassic Park. Millions of years ago. Yeah, I'm like, that sounds like it should be super expensive. Right, yeah. You pay premium for this for sure. Yeah. But again, like that's the imperfections and the differences in your diamonds. Uh, that's what makes them a natural diamond. Unique. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's I don't think an included diamond is necessarily a bad thing either. Yeah, and if, if something... No, I would after... agree. It can make it, like, more unique, depending on, like, what you're looking for. Like, obviously, if you're looking for the purest, most flawless diamond, then that's what you're looking for. But to have something that identifies it as, like, your diamond, I don't think is a bad thing either. Totally. Exactly. And, like, there's some... When you're looking for stones, like, there's some where you'd say, okay, maybe we'll look at something different. Or if there's, like, a small inclusion or speck near the outside of the diamond, maybe you can hide that with a claw. Oh, I see. So okay. you, there's, there's clever ways. Of, exactly. Of, of yeah. So you don't have to eliminate something just because it has a spot on it right. somewhere. Okay. Do you get people when they're shopping for diamonds that are super particular like, in terms of being like asking to like, yeah. And just like asking to see all the, you know, quote unquote flaws or being so particular or like acting like they can see the inclusions that like, you know, they can't see. Like, is that something that you'd like experience? Oh, for sure. Right? Some people come in and they've done a little bit of research themselves. So they want to further their education a little bit more and understand what they are looking at and and understand right. the differences in the stones. Other times people come in and they have no idea. So you really do have to go through it step by step. And I think for the most part, people are receptive to explaining the differences and, and guiding them in a way that you're going to get... The, personally, I want you to get the best bang for your buck. Yeah, I don't yeah. want you to overspend. Right. I mean, if you got the budget and you want to ball out, go for it. 
but I, I think if you can find, like I said, that happy medium, that's yeah. it's a good compromise. Have you ever like heard of anybody ever, you know, what you know, within the jewelry world, walking in and and demanding or I don't even know what somebody like I I literally know nothing so it's like I can't even imagine what minute research I'd have to do to be like what you know how could you even be a brat about it but I'm sure there are people who come in and are you know I'd say a lot of times people aren't maybe as particular about the diamond more so like the style of the ring so right like little tweaks to the styling of the final piece and that's totally understandable and easy to to make those changes mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. but as far as the the diamond goes i think i think you really are relying on your salesperson yeah. to, yeah. to guide you in the the right direction because like it's not like anybody who comes in knows if nobody else has any certifications or can call themselves a gemologist and if you are a gemologist you want to be going to another gemologist and therefore yeah yeah yeah. Well, and you also wouldn't be like, you know, you're talking about these like grades of diamonds that aren't visible to the naked eye, these flaws. So like to a certain degree, once you hit, if you're looking for a certain level of diamond, you are completely reliant on the person who's helping <laughs> so you shop for it because yeah. you're not going to be able to even see the difference between them without having something to look at it microscopically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah there is. Yeah, definitely. You have to like trust the person that you're dealing with. And nowadays with diamonds of of really any substantial size probably like a quarter carat plus they're all laser inscribed on the girdle so the little outside edge i know girdle yeah (laughs) so so you you know that little laser inscriptions on your stone you have paperwork for it you can't see it unless you use a microscope but it's there yeah there's there's some some trust involved 100 percent. and then what about cuts like what kind of I know there's a princess cut, which I do not have. I What do I have? Just a circle. You have a round brilliant. I have a round brilliant, everybody. Yep. <laughs> what do you have? Uh, I have a cushion in the center and then two rounds on either side. What's a cushion? So a cushion, the way I like to describe a cushion is it's basically a square with the corners cut off. So it's, oh, okay. it's soft. It's got okay. the soft edges. Um, it's got a lot of facets referring to the cuts in the stone so it's got a lot of sparkle it is Um, very sparkly mel walks in and that's the first thing that you see everybody (laughs) thank you (laughs) but i I always like to say if you're between a round maybe a princess a cushion's a nice compromise that's kind of best of both worlds wow i'm a lucky gal (laughs) shout out to cam (laughs) (laughs) you better better listen to this he will I love it. I love it. Uh, but yeah, there's so many different shapes of diamonds. Mm-hmm. Round Brilliant is forever classic, timeless. It's never trendy. It's never in style or out of style. It's just timeless. So that's uh, that's the most popular. Oval is still very much having its moment. I think ovals are great. They give a really long, full look. So you can get as I like to say, good bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. It really fills the mm-hmm. finger nicely. Same with your pear shape. I like pears are cool. Yeah, My... pears not as popular, yeah, I do but like... they're they're quite nice. And again, you can get uh, you can get a pretty decent sized pear for a fair price point, I would say. Well, that's good to know at Tilo um, for my <laughs> my twenty fifth wedding anniversary. <laughs> I want a hog pear shape. <laughs> <laughs> Emeralds had their moment when J-Lo 
was engaged to who's the last guy? A-Rod? I don't know. A Rod. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Yeah. No, nothing from Ben yet. Yeah. But coming soon. Coming yeah. soon. Who knows? But yeah, we'll I'm watch what kind. We'll watch what what cut she makes popular again. This yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll know what's popular next. When what's she the emerald gets the next cut? I don't, I don't remember. Emeralds like it's long. It's what is that? A rectangle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like see through, basically. Like there's not as many cuts, many facets. Oh, so not sparkly. So the only time I would tell you to go up in clarity and spend the money on a higher clarity stone is your emerald cut, uh, because you will see mm-hmm. glaring inclusions. In your emerald cut. What about in an oval? Because I've seen rings that sometimes with the, I'm just oh, like yeah, I'm looking ginormous, at a... and then I'm just like, it looks like that needs a clean, which it may need a good clean, but also, is that sometimes a compromise? Is that for ovals, people tend to go down in certain things to then go up in size, or can they kind of get away with it? That could be the case sometimes with emeralds, depending on how they're cut. Like, typically, when you're talking proportions of a stone, you want to talk in like perfect numbers. So eight by six, seven by five. Oh, cool. Stones aren't generally cut that way. You're going to get 8.24 by seven. Something, yeah, yeah. You know, so right. if the proportions are off, you could have maybe darker sections in the stone, just the way the light's reflecting. Okay. So it could be something about that. More often than not, she just needs a good cleaning. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, then- it's funny. I was... Sorry, I was just gonna say, I was just, like, pulled up pictures of emerald cut diamonds on my phone, and, like, I can totally, they almost look like different stones. Right, they don't have the same, like, sparkle. Yeah, they almost look like gemstones, or, like, Mm. well, I guess, like, are diamonds technically gemstones? Oh, gosh, hard question. Yeah, it's a gemstone. Yeah, there's different, so gemstones were made, like, the idea, $100,000? Casual. Four carats. Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm also <laughs> looking it up. You're sh- shopping. Make a shopping. He's sending links to Tilo. <laughs> I love my engagement ring, Tilo. Don't get it wrong. Mine's the best. I just mean if you ever want to surprise me or you're in trouble, then. <laughs> Gemstones, like, so oh, all stones yeah. have different properties. Like, diamond is carbon. Ruby and sapphire, those are corundum. Burl, or barrel, is aquamarine. So, like different yeah so so what i what i read about that at least is that somebody in like the 17th century kind of classified everything but it's there's no like it's now included as a gemstone you know it's all there yeah so right okay that makes sense i just like i said that out loud and then i was like i don't know if it actually is a gemstone or not and speaking of cleaning diamonds how how do you clean a diamond i'm just asking for a friend (laughs) (laughs) honestly don't don't I, do I anything you, weird yeah. on Google. <laughs> Don't use toothpaste. Don't use bleach. No. Just an old toothbrush and some warm water. If you want to use a little bit of dish soap, that's fine. Give it a scrub, rinse it. That's perfect for at home. Taking it into your jeweler to put it in there, ultrasonic. Okay, yeah, tell me about it's that. Like, because... It's just a big bath of water Okay. that like pulsates. H- H2O <laughs> water? Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. just regular good old water and then a secret concoction of things that okay. are put in. <laughs> Uh, I don't it's, know if it's a warm bath. Yeah, there's different things we put in. Okay. <laughs> and it just flushes everything Clap out. Them. So that keeps your stones clean. Of course, like your gold or your platinum, whatever your ring's set into, that gets scratched up. So you'll have your jeweler buff out those scratches. But yeah, to keep your stones clean, just a soft old toothbrush and some warm water. That'll do as good as anything. Cool, cool, cool. And cool. okay, this is true. What is that movie, My Big Fat Greek Reading or whatever? If your ring is ever stuck on your finger, 
Windex. No way, really? 100% Kim, have you seen really? Have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? And so we ask our listeners, have you watched the classic romantic comedy featuring heartthrob Matthew McConaughey and the <laughs> lovable Kate Hudson? Text yes to third to whatever Kim's phone number is. So Kim has not seen How to Lose a Guy in Tell her what she's missing out on. Ugh, I'm working on it. I promise. <laughs> you know what? Okay, here's the thing. I'll watch it in the next two weeks and I'll report back with my review of How to Lose a Guy in no, 10 I'm Days gonna, I'm gonna watch on the next episode. You. I'm going to watch it with you so there's no shenanigans. But my Nick Back Wedding is another classic. I told you I'm behind on like romantic comedy classics. This is like 10 years ago. What did yeah, you Yeah, like really behind. More? Oh, probably. Not no, then. more than t- not yeah. 20 cuz that would be 2011. How do you know? How do you know? If you <laughs> cuz <understand>? I <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, this is the biggest fight we've ever had. This is 2002. <laughs> I told you. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super old. That's insane. This guy? What's his name? He's hot. Um, the guy, sorry, Kim, you won't know who it is. He's city, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's and, Aiden. Um, John Corbett. Yeah. Corbett? Cor- Corbett. Corbett? Corbett. Corbett. He, so we were watching Serendipity, which also I know Kim hasn't seen. Neither have I. Okay, so Serendipity is on Netflix. It's with Kate Beckinsale. She's British. She's super cute. Mm. And John Cusack. This is like also kind of a really early 2000s movie. And he's in that movie and he says, Toronto. And he's, like, this, like, weird hippie guy. Yeah. Okay? And it's very funny. And I was like, Toronto? Did you say Toronto properly? <laughs> you mean Toronto? Right? And so then I was like, no way. Everybody, every movie I've ever seen, they always say Toronto. Yeah. In, like, the, the, the like, just, like, chopping up lettuce. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And he says Toronto. Huh. Casual. He's from Toronto. Weird. Okay, so it checks out. And I was, I literally Googled it, and I was, I felt so satisfied. Probably a bigger high than selling things on Facebook Marketplace. It was great. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, speaking of, this is, like, so off topic, but I was watching this, like, TikTok of, like, this dialect coach the other day that was talking about Ryan Gosling's accent and how strange it is because, like, he kind of sounds like he's from, like, New York somewhere with, like, the way he talks, but he's Canadian, right? So, like, yeah. why does he sound that way? And then certain words like Toronto he his Canadian comes out but they were saying that like he sounds like he's from New York but not really like he's from New York and then like sometimes he sounds a little bit Canadian and apparently when he was like younger he tried to shift his accent by modeling it after another famous actor who also had a weird accent that like was mostly just his own voice so it's actually like not even an accent he's just like adapted the way this other guy talks a little bit yeah anyway that was super interesting no, that's that's. Cool. Anyways, okay, so going back to our topic of weddings and engagements, I know that white wedding dresses were initially kind of made popular by Queen Victoria when she wore one when she married Prince Albert in the 1800s. True fact, so like, true fact. yeah, so like people didn't really wear white wedding dresses prior to that, and then she kind of like made them cool, and they've just like kind of stayed cool ever since. Which like I hope to have that kind of staying power with my trend setting. It got me thinking about why do we why do we even opt for diamonds when it comes to engagement rings like what i don't understand how that became the stone of choice versus why do we not just get a a pearl or like rubies or you know something else because the diamond is forever kim i know you guys have probably both heard a diamond is forever Mm -hmm. and so it was de beers which is uh, their south african mining company 
and they're literally the reason that diamonds are crazy popular. So they, in 1947, they created the whole diamond is forever and it exploded into popularity. And it was just, it then became a single of love. And if you, if you love someone enough, they just, they just really, there was this weak point in the market and they exploited it to the fullest potential that they possibly could. And they're, they're basically the reason why and you know going back to Mel talking about how they how there's like a monopoly and how with with the rise of alternatives and and diamonds in the lab there's they can lower the natural diamond prices and that's because at a certain point the diamond industry was hurting a little bit and so De Beers basically well the movie Blood Diamond didn't help no not at all not at all that was rough yeah and rightfully so like it was awful yeah Yeah. I can't believe Mm -hmm. good hiding spot though that's the one thing I I was like noted that's another core thing of where he hid the diamond right in between his toes yeah that was that's the only thing I remember (laughs) from that movie (laughs) (laughs) they basically created a monopoly with all the other mining companies and then they they became the sole like i think they're still responsible for like 38 percent of the world's diamonds oh gosh the beers is huge yeah right like yeah probably always will be and it's not just de beers like supplies diamonds for the jewelry industry they supply diamonds for uh car making tools like diamond right like cutting exactly are used in a lot of uh, manufacturing yeah so it's yeah they they they're huge money in in a lot of different markets that's crazy good good market well that is crazy back to your original like when we were talking about like the wedding dresses and stuff the popularity of the diamond engagement ring although it wasn't a true trendsetter the first kind of famous diamond ring that was ever gifted was in 1477 to Mary of Burgundy when Archduke Maximilian of Austria proposed. And get this, I'm not even mad about this. It was shaped in an M for Mary. That's Fuck. that's extra. No, I think like little that diamonds and make an M. I kind of like it. I'm not mad. I'm not. Okay, ring number three. There you go, Tito. <laughs> Early old 60s. initial or Hugo's? No, no, mine, mine, mine. Mine. Oh, okay, yours. Yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. Actually, so we were when Hugo was born. I, you know, I, I said that it would be really nice if if I could have his birthstone. Yeah. And of course, my baby be born in April, and therefore, you know, I get a diamond. diamond. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you're like hold like you're like don't come yet don't come early <laughs> no tilo's like get out in march it's like aquamarine <laughs> or something yeah you yeah. still pay a decent Do buck you? for aquamarine yeah. so yeah either way you would have been doing great Ha-ha. okay yeah. great <laughs> the white is more my aesthetic <laughs> yes though. yes fair fair you're right diamonds are forever i think they were the ones that came up with the the rule quote unquote that you had to spend two months salary on your engagement ring yeah that's part of their ad i think like that's wild that's don't go by that that sounds nuts that stresses me out right i know if someone came in saying i want to spend my two months salary that would stress me out for them yeah like oh my god yeah 
That's like, have you seen, this is like completely off topic, but speaking of jewelry and like stress, the movie Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler from start to finish is like the most stressful movie I have ever watched. And I like the industry look that good. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I did not watch No, you, you absolutely, oh, look who hasn't seen a movie now. Comedy no, okay, it is like no. literally, and literally, I don't even know if I want you to watch it because I know you will be stressed because like it, it's made me like anxious, like physically feel anxious from start to finish. But it is a good movie. It is. I, I, like I, I'd say watch it, but like it's it's a lot. Yeah, he like continuously makes some really dumb dumb decisions. Yeah, I feel like it's like. It's about jewelry, but it's also about like gambling more so. Yeah, okay. yeah. You're lucky and like cor- a little bit of corruption. Oh yeah. It has yeah. a ninety-one percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it was a great, great movie. It's just yeah, it definitely in terms of the jewelry industry does not shed like a great light on it. Um, very, very much his his character pulling us back to onto topic. <laughs> Mel, from your side of things, like, do you think? diamonds are still as popular as ever will they be forever like do you see trends maybe where like other stones or other like symbols i guess of affection are coming more into popularity i think personally diamonds are forever i think they always will be the main choice of stone for engagement purpose right i think that it doesn't necessarily have to be a natural diamond that we're talking about for for those uh, those engagement rings. I think the lab diamonds are fantastic. And at the end of the day, can you explain have remember, lab diamonds? Yeah, lab diamonds. They're at the end of the day, they're a diamond. It's carbon. It's the same as a nature grown um, uh, diamond in the earth. Mm-hmm. Instead. A lab diamond takes about six to nine weeks to grow in a lab, opposed to a diamond that takes billions of years. So now is it just like high pressure and heat and carbon that There's they're just forming? There's two different ways of... You can't uh, make it out of peanut butter, right? Right. It, you have to have a carbon element. Okay. Um, the most popular way is the HTHP, just as you were saying, the high temperature, high pressure. Okay. Um, with a little nugget of carbon and... Like literal, okay, because I saw this thing. I don't know if it's, it's probably fake, but it was like they took a, a chunk of car, like car, like carbon, I guess, or, and then they covered it in peanut butter and then they were doing like hot, cold, I don't know what it no. was. No. Yeah, okay. no. I think I've seen that same video. Right? Okay. It was I mean, very like, convincing. maybe we should try it just to see. Because why not? If it works. Right. I'm not but mad. no, that is not how. Okay. <laughs> that is not how the lab diamonds that I saw. Yeah. Oh lab diamonds. Craft. Yeah. <laughs> You need a lot of peanut butter. De Beers and Kraft are really dominating the industry right now. It's actually Kraft who's the ruling giant. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, of the diamond industry. Do you see a lot of other stones that are maybe becoming more popular? Because I know even lately I've seen on like Instagram and stuff some people that have gotten engaged that have opted for different stones. For sure. And I think there's, there's always been different trends that have come and gone. I think the reason diamond is going to be the mainstay, whether it's the diamond, the lab, or the moissanite, which I'll touch on, they're very hard stones. They're very durable. They're good for everyday wear, which of course your engagement ring is meant for everyday wear. Yep. Diamond on the Mohs scale, the hardness scale, is the hardest, being 10. Same with your lab diamond. It's a diamond. It's a 10. Moissanite is a colorless stone that's also used in a lot of engagement jewelry now that's coming in at 9.25 
So a very close second okay. for hardness. Moissanite is also a naturally occurring mineral, just like a diamond, but it's even more rare than a diamond. I think the biggest piece of moissanite that was found in the earth, it was about four millimeters big. So super, super small. It's oh, very wow, rare. Okay. I think it was found by Henry Moisen oh, uh, yep. in, a, in a piece of asteroid. And wow. then they found a way to recreate it in a lab, just like they have with diamonds. <gasps> So they're wow. they're awesome. They're beautiful. The brilliance on them, the sparkle on them is fantastic. The price point, you can't beat it. And you're not cheaping out on a cubic that's going to break on you or cloud yeah. up. Yeah. Right. But moissanite is going to stand the test of time as well, just like your oh, diamonds will. Love it. But again, another option if you want to go colorless, or sorry, if you don't want to go colorless, if you want to go with a colored gemstone, would be your ruby or your sapphire. Those are nine on the hardness scale. So very durable, good for everyday wear. So those are also popular options in your engagement I'm rings. I'm very into gemstones, right. right? I just want, I got a ruby and I'm, I get to go into the vault this year of like my grandmother's jewelry and I get to pick a few things this year and I'm so excited. I just, I want to be that old lady that has a ruby on every single finger, maybe a sapphire <laughs> on my thumb, little toe ring, like that's the okay. vibe. <laughs> I'm just really into it. I just, I That's want. That's the aesthetic. Yeah, I just want lots a of. A diamond <laughs> toe ring. Ew. I'm someone's mom now. I can't have a diamond toe ring. <laughs> I'm someone's <laughs> mom. <laughs> oh, that's. Sorry, yeah. So, rubies, sapphires. Yeah. Are emeralds, like true emeralds? Uh, true emeralds, your green emeralds, those, they have their moment in engagement pieces for sure. They're brittle. So oh. they oh, really? ship easier. You can break them, crack them. <gasps> so they're really not great for everyday wear, especially in a ring. In a pendant, no problem. Earrings, no problem. A ring, a ring takes a little bit of abuse, right? So diamond coated emerald. There we go. Solve that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Just painted with a light, a light coating Dusty of diamond. <laughs> Just a brushing of diamond, and you're good to go. <laughs> Anyways, okay guys, so we're going to play a little true and false game, and since I'm in the room here with Mel, I'm going to slightly turn my laptop ever so slightly because we still need to be in the range of the mic. So the two of you guys are going to guess some true and false stuff. So, true or false, diamonds are the most valuable gem. I feel like it's false. I also don't know the answer, but I'm going to say false. You guys are correct. So for more than five carats, a diamond is only coming in at about 44,000 per carat. Can I guess what the other option yes, is? Yes, do it. Is it alexandrite? It is alexandrite. Okay. It's So alexandrite isn't actually the most expensive at more than five carat, but it's a close second at $70,000 per carat. Ruby. Okay. So actually pure rubies, which you, apparently you can't, it's very hard. There's no data even for it yeah. because it's like one of the rarest things that you can have but yeah so it's rubies and then sapphires and emeralds yeah yeah so diamond is yeah. huh. yep. wow so, okay question number two diamond mm. <laughs> 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 i don't even know what happened i was reading the next line stroke? already but i was <laughs> <laughs> <Don't choke. laughs> yeah question number two diamonds are nicknamed ice due to their clear sparkling properties when cut and polished true do people really call it ice i mean i feel like i would make fun of All someone of who called it ice. <laughs> i guess what era are we talking um false can you think why because they're slippery 
Okay. <laughs> a true jeweler. <laughs> so, it is false. Can you suck? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So no, this mean is, to me today. I. Okay, talk to me after you've seen the select movies on my must-see list. Oh my god, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I actually, I, I, I guess I was like, this is wrong, and I had to fact check it. So the ice nickname for diamonds actually predates cutting and polishing, and it stems from the excellent thermal conduction properties. So the crystal structure of diamond gives it a thermal conductivities ranging from about 1,000 to 2,000 W slash MK. No idea what that means, but basically a thermal conductivity of up to five times that of copper. So because of this characteristic, diamonds conduct heat away from skin when touched, making it feel cold, like ice. And this exceptional thermal property also makes ice ideal thermal management materials in electronics. You know, you're saying like in cars and that, right. like, yeah, right? And so hmm. I was, I know now we both touched our diamond. Yeah. When I was doing this, Is I'm this like, cold? I, I'm <laughs> boiling hot and it's right. not helping. <laughs> I want a refund. <laughs> this seems fake. I need another one. <laughs> I'm so horrified. Have you guys seen those like little, well, obviously you might have, those like little machines that tell you if it's like real or fake diamonds? Yeah, and those don't always work. No? Oh, gosh, no. <gasps> yeah. Why? Okay. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> this is a great segue. It has, okay, so a lot of those testers use heat. So they're testing the, the stone based on the heat, heat that it's conducting. Whatever. Exactly. So they're changing all the time, and they're getting better and better. But when moissanite really became popular on the scene, there was a tool that would test if it was a diamond or a moissanite. We got one of those tools when we started selling more and more moissanite. And anyways, we had a moissanite that we kept testing and, oh gosh, I think it was like 18 out of 20 times that we tested it, it came back diamond. So oh. it's not a perfect science I knew with technology, TikTok was lying. but you still, you still have to have someone like actually know trained. what the heck they're actually, doing. Actually, right. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. the technology that is used is super neat but it's not always perfect. <gasps> very good, very good. Okay, question oh, number three. So interesting. In the Middle Ages, between the 5th and 15th century, diamonds were thought to have exceptional healing abilities and considered to be a miracle stone. I think that's true. I feel like that's true as well. Ding, ding, ding. It is true. So they were <laughs> believed to have the ability to cure stomach aches, memory loss, depression, fatigue, infections, mental illnesses, nightmares, skin diseases, and other head and heart ailments. So it was believed that the diamond could cure simply by being placed on the, on the part of that body. And it wasn't until the Renaissance when Pope Clement VII swallowed a medicine based on powdered diamonds and died mm. that it was understood that eating powdered diamond killed more people than it cured. Well, oh my god. <laughs> That's such a thing that would happen in medieval time. <laughs> the Renaissance era, those, those silly nuggets like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, worth a shot, but, like, how many people did die before they realized, maybe not. How many loose diamonds did they have that they're, how did they powder the diamonds? I had a lot of questions. Yeah, pa powdering it, I would like to know the answer to that, but how did they have all these diamonds? Well, diamonds yeah. aren't And rare. we're just, like, taking them, they like, are. Advil. Yeah. Like, like, oh, I had a bad dream last night. Give me some powdered diamond. Like, if <laughs> Let me just I pop just a quarter would... carrot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, better. if I... <laughs> a good hangover. That'd be a good hangover medicine. Quarter carrot. 
little bit of diamond to help you shine. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my god, did we did we just launch a new business? Mel is rolling her eyes around oh, the globe right but now. I, I I love it. Until liquid liquid diamonds. Liquid diamonds. Yeah. Don't tell me quarter carrot came on the market and it's proven <laughs> to help you feel better that you wouldn't pop a quarter carrot that I'm doing. Yeah, like wash out liquid IV. We're coming, <laughs> we're coming for you with oh, quarter carrot. I once did that and it was nice. It does it does really help the hangover. Anyways, question number four. Hmm. The diamond is more than a billion years old. Yeah. True. You guys are pretty good at this. Okay. So the earth is, that is true. The earth is estimated at 4.5 billion years old. The oldest diamonds are believed to have been crystallized about 3.3 billion years ago. If you're fact checking me, Kim, I can hear you typing away. (laughs) I wasn't. I was just fixing a typo in my notes because it was bothering me. (laughs) That's so Kim. Uh, Yeah, so diamonds were first discovered in India and then subsequently in Brazil. Question number five. Scientists have discovered a planet that they believe is composed mostly of carbon and therefore is one-third pure diamond. False. A false. I think, like, trick question. Discovered in 2004, the, the planet orbits a nearby star in the Milky Way. It is true. And perhaps what's even more amazing is that scientists have discovered a star that is essentially a diamond of 10 billion trillion trillion carats. And they named that star Lucy after the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's cool. I want to go there. (laughs) I want to go there. I want, that's the diamond I want. (laughs) A trillion carat, 10 billion trillion trillion carats. That's cool. But yeah, so yeah, so I guess because then all you would need is the carbon-based heat pressure, which some planets are capable of in their formation and stuff that that is. That's uh, wild. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I think that just about wraps up everything for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Mel. I honestly feel like this was like so informative and my eyes were open to this whole new side to, of the world of diamonds oh, that like I would have never known about. <laughs> carrot, carrot. <laughs> carrot, yeah, that's like I'm still thinking. I'm still back on carrot, carrot. <laughs> yeah, no, th- thank you so much for, for coming on the show and... For anybody who wants to see Mel in real life, she's at Hefferton's in Waterloo at the Boardwalk. <laughs> so come visit, come get your diamond, and just, just I don't know, sparkle. Thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun, and I hope I gave all factual information. <laughs> <laughs> we, maybe somebody in, in Alabama will, will fact check you. We never know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you can, if you can get our American followers to come out of the woodwork and actually yeah. engage with us on social media, then like that's a win. <laughs> Yeah, if you're like, yeah. Uh, so in reference to Mel from I have stayed silent for a long time, but this is my limit. <laughs> I can't go on. I can guarantee we have said much more information that's not factual yeah, on this podcast. And I'm like, ah, I used the wrong yeah. word, but yeah. okay. Well, anyways, so this does bring us to the last segment of the show. Okay, and now for the fill <laughs> segment. Yay! <sighs> okay, so this started on uh, during the great blackout of Instagram and Facebook and 
WhatsApp, which literally left me feeling like I was hacked for an hour. I didn't know what was going on. I was so angry. Dark that times. Everything, you know. So, obviously, you know, hello, Twitter, my old friend went on there, which, like, Pinterest <laughs> was still popping, so I don't know why everybody was complaining. So I'm on Twitter, and Jimmy Fallon posted, you know how sometimes he'll post a tweet, and then it can end up on the show, right? So I, I love doing it, because I never watch it anyway, but that'd be cool if one day I search my ID and then it was there. <laughs> Anyways, so he had hashtag my crazy invention. And so I was thinking, and so the first one I came up with, this is as I was, like, hauling pistachios, was a machine that you dump pistachios into and at the speed of like a money counter it deshells the pistachios my crazy invention okay my next one was a pot that would stir itself upon voice command so when mm. you're busy in the kitchen you're like pot number three stir yourself on a medium to slow speed i need that i'm the worst right like yeah i fuck it up all the time okay my crazy invention my last one i was like okay creating water from the air like a soda stream is what i was thinking what are the chances that as as I'm thinking about this, I literally type this into Twitter. You can go on my Twitter, everybody. I think it's at Maggie May with three <laughs> A's. I'm not even sure. Anyways, so I'm on there. And so I go on Facebook whenever it reloads, I guess, today or whenever, whenever it was back and, and running. And yeah. my mom, as our listeners know, posts dumb shit on Facebook. What do I see but an article about the Canadian innovation that pulls drinking water out of thin air? I screamed, what are the chances? (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? So then I I did a little bit of reading about this. And so I don't know if I'm just, maybe I saw it somewhere and I thought, you know, I thought it was an original idea. But basically... This there's a Canadian innovation and it was inspired by an adaptation found in certain lizard species. And this machine will make it possible for someone to pull a glass of water literally right out of the air. And so it's from Dorval, Quebec, and they're converting humidity to potable drinking water using almost no energy using this like I guess it's like a machine or like a generator called the Atmospheric Water Generator, or AWG. And it employs technology originally developed by researchers at Simon Fraser in BC. Basically, this product is offering a solution to water shortages in countries around the world. He was in the Mediterranean nation of Malta, which is one of actually the most water-scarce countries in the world. And what he had said about it is that it's an island surrounded by water, but it's seawater. And to generate potable water for them costs a lot of energy. So the company that's developing all this, they're called ON, A-W-A, no, A-W-N Nanotech. And so they're the ones that are creating this generator. Now the A-W-N or the ON in the name refers to tiny hairs found on some of the species of cactus that condense and collect water molecules in the air. And so what they were able to do is create a high-tech cloth fabric which is the integral component of the atmospheric water generator, or the AWG. And it's specifically engineered to mimic the absorption capabilities of the skin of thorny devil lizards, which is able to pull moisture from the environment into the lizard's mouth. And so each square meter of this textile can convert up to 12 liters of water per hour, depending on the humidity. And so my final crazy invention is a machine that generates diamonds from thin air. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was gonna say it's kind of like grown diamonds in the sense that it's it's a more like eco-conscious right. way of producing things that are in high demand and are otherwise like damaging to our environments in terms of, you know, the amount of clean drinking water yeah. that we need in this world versus the amount that we have to yeah. like actually be able to provide people. And like similarly with diamonds, the amount of mining and work that goes into actually like collecting diamonds versus being able to grow them in a lab i think both are in a lot of ways like super positive in terms of environmental impact environmental ethical i know right yeah all that good stuff i'm telling you guys machine diamonds out of thin air (laughs) so that does conclude our podcast for today the big thanks again to mel for coming on to the show don't forget to follow us on instagram at at wits and podcast and if you're listening on apple podcasts we would love it if you would leave us a five-star review and maybe some nice comments as well <laughs> and otherwise we'll see you in two weeks Bye-bye. bye 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 bye